You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. Everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Hello, I hope you guys are doing great out there. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Hope everything is wonderful in your world. A special thank you to all of you who are spreading the word about the Paranormal Portal Podcast. It really means the world to us, and we've been meeting lots of new listeners all the time. And you guys are really key to the growth that we've experienced. And thank you so much to those of you who have spread the word, and thank you to those of you who will spread the word. Uh, of course, the Paranormal Portal is a place for everybody to share their experiences. So if you have an, uh, some paranormal experiences you'd like to share, please feel free to get a hold of me via email at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Again, paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Just get a hold of me and we'll get it dialed in and get you on the show as well. So, Missouri, this all started around the Christmas of 2007. After that Christmas, I began to feel like someone was watching me, watching my every move. So I suspected that there was a ghost, but I wasn't quite sure of it. It had begun to get more and more paranormal. I had felt a very cold chill every time I walked into my room to play video games. And at first I started to think that there was nothing there. But for all I knew, the ghost could strike at any time. When my friend spent the night at the house, we both felt the chill, almost like if someone was walking past us, and then it got even worse. In 2008, we were both starting to see lights flicker and turn off. We checked the lights in the morning, and, and they were working completely fine, and we decided to use my video camera to look in the air vents, and then we saw it. It appeared as a streak of, of light with rainbow colors outlining it, and we could only see it with the camera. It seemed as if it was dancing in the vent, and a few days later, me and my friends looked 
in the other vents with the camera, but not found nothing. Then the tricks were pulled out. The ghost will sometimes tend to shake up my, my soda. <laughs> shake up my soda when I'm not looking. Or, and uh, the soda sprays all over me. And somewhere around one, one month from that, when my friend came over and I was alone, home alone with my friend, we were, we were cracking ourselves up by chanting and shouting, Nationwide is on your side. And we were playing video games at that time. And then all of a sudden, the TV turned off, which officially freaked us out. We considered that we probably ticked the ghost off by repeatedly saying, Nationwide is on your side. So we didn't ever chant and shout that at my house again. Now we have been trying to catch more on my video camera, and we were thinking, it just might work. <laughs> Nationwide is on your side. Well, I guess if, if a kid rechanted the same thing as children can do for hours on end, I'm sure even the undead would probably get a little tired of that. Try for that crap to be over. This one's Wyoming. In September of 2005, I was transferred for, for work to Riverton, Wyoming. I found a nice little two-bedroom apartment on the top floor of a small apartment complex. I got everything unpacked and set up just how I wanted it. I never felt quite comfortable in the apartment, but I just figured it was because it was my first time being away from home and living by myself. I had many strange things happen in the apartment, like the lights and TV being off when I knew I had turned them on, and, but I just ignored them. I continued to tell myself it was all in my head, and I'd pass the time by going to a co-worker's houses or talking on the phone to my friends and family, and finally something did happen. One night in November 2005 caused me to no longer be able to ignore all the strange happenings in the apartment. I had my room set up with my bed under the window in the middle of the room with my dresser on one side and my vanity on the other side. There was a ceiling of fan above my bed, and I always used to pull the string to turn the lights on and off so I didn't have to walk across the room in the dark to get into bed. I went to bed around 10 o'clock that night, and I fell asleep easily and didn't wake up until around 3 a.m. When I woke up to a little girl sitting on, uh, on the stand in front of my vanity. She was young. Oh, I guess it's not very little. Probably around 20. She had very long black hair and was wearing a long white nightgown, and when I woke up, she turned around and said her name was Emily Barbiton. I'm not sure of the spelling of that last name, but... That's how it sounded, and this was her room. Well, I freaked out and started to scream, jumped up on my bed and pulled the chain on the light, and then she was gone. I saw Emily one more time about a month later. I had gotten two cats to help me not feel so alone and uncomfortable all the time, and I was woken up at 3 a.m. by my cats freaking out. When I opened my eyes, I saw Emily hovering over the top of me. I couldn't move or scream, and I just stared at her, and after what seemed to be an hour, uh, but I'm sure it was just a few seconds, she just vanished. After the second time I had, to, I had a run-in with Emily, I could no longer live in that apartment. Um, I found a new place to live, and I moved out. I've not seen her since, and I asked around to see if anyone knew anything about my apartment or that name, and no one had any idea why these things had happened. I sometimes wonder about what caused Emily to become a ghost, I'm going to go with, she probably died. <laughs> but, I mean, what, what kind of question is that? How did she become a ghost? I probably died, I'm thinking. 
and why she made herself known to me. I don't know. That part I can't answer. But I think I got the why she's a ghost thing figured out. Just saying. All right, now we're going to Georgia. I was writing this in hopes of somebody being able to explain it. I live in the rural area of northern Georgia, but this experience began about 6,000 miles away 26 years ago. When I was growing up, my dad was in the Navy, and we moved to Hawaii when I was 11 years old. My sister was 14. While waiting for a house on base, my parents rented a townhome in a small town called Temple Valley, and all of our furniture and household stuff was being shipped over, and all we had were our clothes. The townhouse was furnished, and it was during summer of 1982. The school year hadn't started yet, so my sister and I were on summer vacation, and we were all very excited to be living in Hawaii for the next three years. My dad, being a big football fan, had cable TV hooked up the first thing. <laughs> a few days went by without incident, and then one Saturday morning, my sister and I got up early to go downstairs and watch cartoons, and we discovered that the cable had been cut clean through from inside the house. Well, we had nothing to do with this, but there was not even scissors or silverware. Plus, why would any of us do this? This was cable for crying out loud. Then one night I woke up and was staring at a small fan that was on a chair next to my bed, and I realized I was about to stick my finger into the blades and was powerless to stop. I remember thinking, this is going to hurt. Well, it did. It almost cut off my pinky. Jesus. Uh, the people who owned this townhouse were living in Australia. They had a daughter who attempted suicide and was in a mental hospital somewhere. My sister had her old room, and my mom and sister found a diary in my sister's closet. Being nosy, they decided to read it. It contained just normal teenage girl stuff, but the last page was written backwards, and it looked like someone else wrote it. We, I mean they, had to put, put, hold it up to a mirror to read it. It contained very disturbing thoughts, her ideas on how to end her life. Her dad took it to the dumpster, which was f for the entire complex, and the next morning it was on our doorstep. I know this sounds crazy, but I swear it's true. We were constantly mad at each other in that townhouse, and we played really cruel practical jokes on each other, crossing the line of just having fun. There were other things too, lights turning on and off by themselves, doors slamming in the night, all the furniture was upside down. One morning, all the cupboards were open, uh, which is weird, and there was a huge cemetery down the street called Valley of the Temples. The local elders would tell us stories about the brutality of King Kamehameha. The Valley of the Temples was, according to the Hawaiians, the resting place of the king's wives, children, and servants. The locals would tell us that there were the that where the townhomes were were full of kapuakua, which means forbidden gods, or what Christians would call demons. We finally moved to our house on base, and the strange things stopped, and our normal personalities returned. Now here I am in Georgia, and things are starting again. 26 years later, I moved into a house that was built... In the 90s, and the neighborhood is only the only development ever on this land. At least that's what the Cherokee County claims. Uh, but we know for a fact that Civil War battles were fought in this area. My sister and her young daughter live with me here you know, when I first moved in. Her daughter's name was Lexi, and is Lexi, rather. And uh, at that time, she was about seven years old with long blonde hair. 
One morning I was shaving in the mirror and I could swore I saw Lexi go running down the hall. I knew my sister was already at work, so I wondered what Lexi was doing home. I went to find, went to find her and asked her why, why her mom didn't take her to school, but I was the only one in the house. I called my sister and asked if Lexi was at school, and she was. My dog was staring at the stairs one night and would not look away. I thought, okay, he's just being a dog. Who knows? A while later, I got up to go to get a soda and glanced at the stairs, and for a split second, I saw what I thought was Lexi sitting on the stairs, and then she was gone. Frequently, my dog looks like he's watching something move across the room, sometimes whimpering and or growling, and I woke up one night and thought I saw Lexi sitting at the foot of my bed with her back to me. Also, my dog was staring at me, and I turned on the light, and no one was there. Other weird things are happening. The air conditioning vent in the floor is found is found out, out of his hole and upside down. My laptop plug literally flew out of the wall one night before my eyes. Clothing and small knickknacks are missing. And there's a small storage room in the garage that my dog refuses to go into. I opened a pack of lunch meat, his favorite treat, and put the whole thing in the room once. He didn't want anything to do with that room. When I go in there, he totally freaks out, barking, growling, drooling, crying, jumping, and pacing around. He's a yellow lab and usually very calm and easygoing. Sometimes I get the same creepy feelings uh, that I had in Temple Valley. It's a feeling that something is very wrong in the house. I've tried to research this area to see what, uh, what was here during the Civil War, but I come to a dead end every time. Let me know what you guys think of this. Believe me, I know it sounds weird, but I swear it's all true. Well, I believe you. I think that's, uh, especially if it was a Civil War battlefield. My God, those were, oh, the imprints of brutality and suffering and, and agony and pain. And uh, those, I mean, there's nothing, there is no such thing as a as a, a gentle war. I mean, it's always horrible, but I, I think that, you know, those round balls just kind of tore holes in the people. And uh, there was nothing humane about it. You know, and and the battlefield tactics of, uh, you know, battlefield triage in medicine was not uh, gentle either. Uh, infection was rampant. It was just a, a time of, of real brutality. And uh, with all that pain and all that imprinting on that on that land, I'm sure, it would draw or create beings of its very own. This that thrive on that kind of stuff, and and maybe, maybe those beings aren't all bad. Um, maybe they, they serve a purpose that way that they absorb the negative energy, over time of an area, and uh, maybe that helps to replenish it and revitalize it and make it go back to normal. But I don't know, I don't know. That's there's some dark things that seem to to just thrive on that pain, and so they create it themselves. And that's not a good thing. This one sounds kind of dark. It's coming from Texas. It says, it's called Demon of the Civil War Graveyard. We'll see. Uh, it was June 22nd, I believe, when an event I will never forget happened. My cousin and I were at his house when I got, we got bored. And we're, at, we're in Carrollton, Carrollton, Texas. Carrollton. And we decided to go look at the graveyard 
uh, and he walked by at one point in time. Well, it was 10 p.m., and we went out and started to look for the graveyard. Went down the streets, he remembered, and he got turned around five times for each time we, time we tried to find it. But what was odd was that we tried five different streets, and we finally tried one of the roads that we had gone down before. We finally found, found it on a street with a house that was leaking water from the front door. The street was darker than dark every night. Every light was off, including the house next to the one in, by this graveyard. We'd been looking for almost half of an hour, and we're glad to find it. The first thing we noticed were the hundreds of orbs floating around. There were some floating away from where we were starting to walk, and some that were floating away from the graveyard. I felt this unnatural pull to the graveyard, and my cousin stopped short. I asked him what was wrong three times, and then realized that I was halfway between the graveyard and him. He was pointing at the bushes, and I heard a crack from behind me. I turned around to see two evil, burning white eyes staring at me and him. I don't jest when I tell you this, for we both saw it. As soon as we did, we ran as fast as we could. We found the same places we'd walk by as if there was nothing to it, even when we couldn't find the right way before. This, of course, was not the first time I had run into such things, but... I didn't alert my cousin to the situation, seeing as I recognized the eyes. We had made it back and alerted my stepbrother back home. We had many encounters that night and the night after, truth be told. I'm being watched right now. I don't know. Again, there's that, there's that demon word. People just throw it around. It's like, must be a demon. Probably not. Um, probably not. It may be, but probably not. Just my two cents, of course, ladies and gentlemen, but what the hell do I know? I'm just here having fun. <laughs> okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in it says i was eight years old when my aunt wendy who lived in tennessee gave me a porcelain joker doll that had what looked like a red teardrop 
We were getting ready for bed, and since we were staying with them, we didn't have anywhere to put it, and my mom set it on the shelf in the front room, and while my mom and I were lying there talking, we got the feeling that something was watching us. When we looked around, no one was there, uh, and everyone was asleep, and my mom looked over to the Joker doll and noticed it was pointed towards us. Thinking she had faced it towards the door, mom got up and turned it to face the wall, and we... My water bottle just tipped over. It was empty, but it just tipped over. Huh. Uh, where was I? Um, uh, welcome to the portal. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens here. Um, uh, says, uh, for a few minutes, we, oh, I said, Mom got up and turned it to face the wall again, and we laid there talking for a few minutes when we heard a scratching noise on the shelf, like something heavy was being turned around. And when we looked over to the shelf, the Joker doll was pointed towards us once again. Thinking it was my cousin, we, we went into her room to see if she was asleep. And I knew this as I hit her leg and she was never a good faker. After realizing that she was asleep, we went back to the front room and laid the Joker flat on its face. Later that night, with everyone asleep, my mom got up to use the bathroom and realized the Joker was lying on its back. So mom got up got it, put it in the bag with our clothes, and the feeling as if someone was watching us was finally done. The next morning, we got a call about a house. In the process, Mom told my dad that she wanted to get rid of the doll, and Dad said no because my aunt gave it to me, and we were unloading some stuff, and Mom put the Joker doll in our hallway closet, hoping my dad wouldn't find it, and much to our dislike, my dad watched my mom put it in there. And my dad brought it to the bedroom and put it on my dresser. And he said, this is where I want it to stay. The feeling of being watched returned. And I was laying there glancing at my dresser to the Joker doll and noticed it had an evil smile on its face. I hollered for my mom. And when she came in, she noticed it too. And she put it in the drawer. The next morning, we were telling my dad about what had happened. And he was not believing in that stuff. Told us to shut up and that we, had, that we were making it up. And... Mom decided to call my Aunt Wendy and asked her if she had ever noticed anything out of the ordinary, and my aunt said, yeah, and that was the reason they put it in the shed out back. Later that night, my dad came home from work, and we told him what my aunt had told us. Unfortunately, my aunt denied it all, making my mom and I look like idiots. So again, that night, Mom put it back in the dresser drawer, and she went to turn the coffee pot on so Dad would have coffee in the morning and went to bed. The next day, my mom and I were sitting in the kitchen, and Dad came in the kitchen holding the Joker doll and told us that he said he wanted it to stay on my dresser. Being eight years old, I knew I had, I had better listen to him, and I went and put it on my dresser, and then he started cussing, saying that he didn't see any problem with the Joker doll, and we better keep it on my dresser. Wow, what a dirt, uh, dick. Uh, he didn't believe in stuff like that, and I asked my mom if she would lie down with me, and she said yes. Still feeling an evil presence in the room, my mom said a prayer with me, and we fell asleep. The next morning when my dad got up, he came into the room where we were and told my mom he wanted the doll out of there. And mom says that she thought he didn't believe in things like that when we'd been telling him, yet he just now decides that he wants the doll out of the house. She began tell he began telling her that the night before he got up to use the bathroom, stepped into my room, and the Joker doll had an evil smile on its face, and he heard an evil laugh. Now believing us, he went into my room, got the Joker doll, 
and took it outside and tried to burn it. Only the clothes burnt and the face turned black from the smoke. And then it, uh, he got it out of the trash barrel and hit it with a hammer, but only part of its face chipped. Getting freaked out, he took it to the neighborhood dumpster and threw it in there, and we never saw it again, and everything in my room went back to normal. A week later, I became friends with a boy in my class, and we were all over at his parents' house for supper when uh, I looked in the front room, and there on the shelf was the Joker doll, just like the one I used to have. Later, my mom asked if she could look at it, and she noticed a mark where it was made that mine didn't have, and it didn't have the red teardrop. After seeing that, my mom asked where they got it from, and they told her what store, and my mom called my aunt, Wendy to ask her about my doll, and she told my mom that that same store. My mom asked my aunt about the teardrop, and my aunt said that she asked the store clerk about it as it was the only one, and the teardrop didn't look like any kind of paint, that it looked more like blood. When my dad got on the phone, he asked my aunt about it again, and my aunt told him that they had experienced uh, what they had experienced, and they thought that it didn't have anything to do with the Joker doll, even though... She said they felt an evil feeling like someone watching them, which went away when the Joker doll was put in the shed. Now you can choose to believe this or not, but if you don't, please don't post any rude comments. I was wondering if the reason the Joker doll was like that, could it have been made by someone that was into witchcraft? Witchcraft. <laughs> There's that term again. Witchcraft. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Could have been made ceremonially. Um, I don't know if it was witchcraft. It would be dark craft of some kind. Some kind of maybe Lovecraft. <laughs> HP Lovecraft. All right, let's see what's next here. We got um, Virginia is coming up next here. So it looks like we're heading to G Virginia. Uh, it says place a few miles away from the Virginia coast. My house was built along with the rest of my neighborhood in the middle of a large forest. The time, 3 a.m. <laughs> it's like written like Dragnet here. About a month ago, I went downstairs to get a glass of water like I normally do when I can't sleep. And I never noticed it until now, but uh, I always go downstairs near 3 a.m. In between the kitchen and the computer room is a, a wall and then a staircase. The kitchen is behind the wall and the staircase is next to the computer room. Walking up the staircase, I saw something white out of the corner of my eye. Turning my head, I saw a figure dressed in black with a white cloth surrounding his head, sitting on the piano bench in front of the piano against the stairs. Slowly, its head began to turn, and stopped when what I believed to be its eyes were directed at me. It stood up and began to run towards me. My God, that'd be horrible. Terrified, I ran up the stairs, and looking behind me, I saw it running around and then up the stairs behind me. Turning back, I tried to run into the bathroom when I felt something grasp my ankle. I let a loud screech and somehow didn't wake up my mom, but instantly the pressure on my ankle lifted. And I ran into my bathroom and slid down the wall, tears streaming down my face. I looked back down the stairs and saw it standing at the bottom. Turning back towards the computer room, it slowly faded until I couldn't see it anymore. What a horrible dicky thing to do. Ah, uh, one, one thing was odd was how it walked. It would fade in and out as it was running, almost as if it wasn't walking, but transporting a few feet in front of itself at a time. The comments would be helpful. Yeah, they sure would. 
Um, I don't know what you dealt with there. That's very strange. That is an interesting um, observation, though, seeing it flashing in and out as it's moving. So is it, is it, is, I mean, obviously it doesn't really have legs in the traditional sense. So it's not really, any spirit is not projecting itself by virtue of a skeleton and muscles and, you know, motion, uh, mechanical motion of, of uh, physical apparatus. It's all energy. So what this person saw, I think, is very profound in that it was moving towards her, but it was more her, I assume her, I don't know. But it was it was more um, just a change in position rather than a, than a, a projection of itself moving through space. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, not projection, but rather than propelling itself, it was moving itself forward by rapid projections in different parts of the space. And that's interesting, but it's also creepy as hell. Why would it just uh, out of the blue chase somebody? I mean, what? What? <laughs> Tag, you're it. <laughs> Thanks. Didn't know we were playing. Uh, I don't think most people would, you know, would take that as a as a funny thing, or even cool, or you know, I think it's a horrifying thing to be chased by some kind of apparition. That's just brutally horrible. So I don't blame this person for being pretty shook up by that. That's. That's not, that's not a nice gesture. You're already seeing something you can't quite deal with, and then it starts chasing you. Hell no. That's that's terrible. Um, I hope they came to terms with it, whatever they found out. Um, but what a story. Jeez. Okay, the next one's coming from Florida. This story's about my father who passed away in 2005, and please note that this is not recent. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, and my mother and I went to go drop off my grandmother at work and when we arrived back to our house my mother went to sleep while I stayed in the living room and while I was starting to fall asleep I was thinking about my future trip to New Orleans in the summer then I could hear the voice of my father who had just passed away a year before and it told me I heard you're going to New Orleans this summer I tried to wake up but something was holding me down for about five minutes I was squinting my eyes and I said I said daddy and it stopped suddenly. Well, I went running to my mother's room screaming, I spoke to daddy. My mother said, no, you didn't. Stop lying. I told my mom it was true, and she finally believed me. After that, we called my aunt Susan to tell her what had happened to me, and she told us that when she had got home from work, something was giving her the urge to go downstairs. Well, my father used to live, live there after the divorce, and my aunt was frightened and didn't go because she couldn't believe it. Then a few days after, my, my brother Hassan had a dream, and my father said to him, Take good care of Natasha and Tariq. He is my older brother. My father loved us so much and wants to keep us safe, but seeing and hearing him did, not, did scare me, but now I'm fine and I always feel my father is with me. That's very interesting, very cool. Um, yeah, that's... Pretty powerful stuff. I don't know about the whole pinning you down thing. Like you can't move. You can only sit there and, and but I guess if it's if it's a loved one doing it, maybe they're stopping you from freaking out. I don't know. Strange though. Very strange. The next one tonight is coming from California. Oh my god, we got a call. I got a call. Let's get to our call. And then we'll get to California after that. And this is area code four two three. You're on the air. Hello, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing real well, thanks. Who am I talking to? Jose. Jose Ortiz. I'm a big fan of your page. Oh, thank you, Jose. I was actually just listening to your 
your live cast right now. Uh-huh. What do you think? You enjoying it? Yes. Um, I actually have, do have a story to tell you. <clears throat> oh, fantastic. <clears throat> take, take it away. The floor is yours. All right. So um, I was, uh, I live in, uh, sorry, I'm kind of nervous right now. Oh, no, just relax. Just I you and in, me. Uh, just you and me talking. That's all, brother. <laughs> I live. All right. Um, I live in, uh, in uh, Tennessee, and um, there's a overlooking uh, uh, called uh, Brown Mountain Lights in North Carolina. Okay. And uh, my ex, my ex girlfriend's dad used to say that uh, he used to see uh, he used to go there with his friends and uh, and spot lights in the distance. Ooh, nice. So me and my ex girlfriend went to that this overlook. Uh, around this time, about two years ago, around November, around 1030. And, uh, we didn't see anything. We were there for like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but then out of nowhere, uh, lights just started popping up. Like the best description, like vividly, I can tell you mm-hmm. was, um, like, uh, campfires lighting up in the distance. Wow. Like getting brighter, brighter. And some of them were moving, and some of them were different colors, too. Okay, wow. But ever since then, like, ever since then, it was just been, like, like I don't know, like, all this paranormal stuff that's, like, kind of cool. Like, nice. Wow. So th- it was this was kind of like a catalyzing moment for you after you saw these lights? Then you had a bunch of different experiences following Yeah. You? Wow, so it's like it opened you up in a way. No, it was just... It was, yeah, it was just one experience, but it it did open a mind. Like you know, I kind of do think like that we're probably not alone in the universe. Right. No, I agree. Crazy. That is really cool. Um, now are these uh, uh legendary lights down there? I mean, are they a pretty popular thing for people to go out and try to spot, or is it uh, uh not as well known? Yeah the the <clears throat> the town the town itself it's really uh, well known for uh for the the sightings. The overlook is called the uh, Wiseman's View. Okay. Like it's open. It's open for public for anyone twenty four seven. Oh, nice. But um, um, I took my friends from some of my colleagues there like about four months ago, and we encountered some like <laughs> demonic stuff. Like people were doing some like witchcraft uh-huh. there at whenever we went. So we left, like we were not going to come <laughs> back there at any time. Yeah, no. But it, the town itself is really, it's really known for the lights. And uh, if you just go visit there, you well, have restaurants and all these kind of antique stores. Wow. Just about the uh, the siding. Now, what what does the local legend say these lights are? Is there any uh, any local legends regarding these? People. Um, there's a lot. I was watching a documentary about it too, but there's a like a lot of spectic. Some people saying that it's like gas, like oh, gas, um, like a plasma particles, like mm-hmm. coming out out of the out of the mountains. Okay. Some other people say that it's it, it might be spirits, Indian spirits, or something. Sure. I honestly don't know. <clears throat> and some people say it's just like fake there's people like with drones and, and other stuff but who knows <laughs> well they've been around for like uh you know well over 100 years though right i mean those lights if i'm if i'm thinking of the yeah. same area those those lights have been well regarded and there's long before drones anyway 
Yes, yes. So you've heard of that area then? I've heard of the, the, the in the Tennessee area, there are some people have like the ghost lights. I don't remember what they call them, but I'm thinking of like ghost lights. And it's near this, uh, is it near the Smoky Mountains or uh, in that area or the up? Yes, yes. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm familiar, if not in that exact region, then there are other regions where they appear as well. Now, here's, here's I don't know if, you know, it's all just guesswork, right? We, there's no way any of us can know for sure. But I think that, that they're like a nature spirit of some kind, you know? Like they're just kind of caretakers or have some function like that. But I don't know. I don't know what to make them make of them either. But I, I think that they're more spiritual or energetic than they are like UFO or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's possible too of a UFO or something like that. But yeah. who knows what it is? Like I'm just I was stunned by that <laughs> event. Like. It opened my mind up. Okay, everybody. I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in do a lot of people catch them on film you actually can't uh see it on film because like it's too dark people oh. have been recording i even tried to record it myself too when i was there but i got too spooked and just ran away with my girl <laughs> and um yeah <laughs> baby steps, you know, you got to take baby and, steps um, on these things. <laughs> do what? You got to take baby steps on these things. You can't just rush all the way into it. Take a little step, watch it, and then leave, and then come <laughs> yeah. back next time and do a little more. <laughs> yeah, it just, I mean, it's just like they all popped up like out of like at once. So, like, it just it ca- it caught us off guard. Yeah, that but, is um, curious. Yeah, you really can't record it because it, it's, it's too dark. Okay. And like I don't I'm not really sure if like the camera's like not good quality or anything, but yeah, there has maybe it's just too subtle, but I wonder if you could get them through in infrared. I, I think I've heard of some people starting to use like infrared cameras and are capturing these anomalies that before were really hard to capture because of such low light conditions. Did I lose you? Hello? Uh oh. Yeah, you lost him. <laughs> Well, thanks for calling in, man. It was great to hear from you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess we got disconnected somehow. Not sure what happened there. But, uh, again, welcome to the portal. This is how we roll. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't get bored of me. I'm, I'm plenty interesting, I think. All right. So um, where was I? Where am I? What's my motivation? Um, let's continue on. I guess we're in California. And thanks again for that call, man. I'm so sorry I got disconnected. That's, that's, that's so disappointing. Welcome to my world. All right, so let's go to California and see what's going on. Everybody wants to go to California. I mean, come on. I went to the... I want to share something that happened a few years ago that has to this day baffled me. My ex-husband and I dropped off our three children at his sister's house to spend the night. We were going to a party, and we were going to be late coming back, so decided it would be best to, for them to pick up, pick them up 
for us to pick them up early the next day. According to my sister-in-law, these were the events. The children, my two girls and boy and her daughter and son, were playing in the toy room when all three of my kids came out and told her they wanted to go home. And they said they didn't want to be there anymore and they wanted to go home right away. My sister-in-law thought it was strange since our kids have always gotten along, so she asked them why, and they said they were scared to be there and couldn't really get much more out of them. She was then able to get my four-year-old to sleep with her daughter, but couldn't get my other two to stay in the bedroom, so she laid them down in the living room uh, on the two sofas. She sat next to them reading a book while they slept, and she said they, that suddenly my son started talking in his sleep. She started to pay attention but couldn't understand anything he was saying. Then my daughter started talking in the same gibberish my son was. Well, she freaked out because she realized it sounded like they were having a conversation with each other. She said it sounded like they would respond to each other and the conversation was getting a little heated. Suddenly my daughter started tossing and it looked like she wanted to get up but was being held down. She started calling their names. Uh, she started calling their names and telling them to wake up. She yelled out when she felt someone touch her from behind. She turned around with her fist up ready to sock someone and there was my 4-year-old saying she she's ready to go. My sister-in-law asked her go where? And my my daughter answered mommy and daddy are coming to get us now. She pulled my daughter over to her and sat her in her lap and turned around to look at my other two and they were sound asleep not making any noise or movement. At that moment the doorbell rang and it was my ex-husband and I who had returned early because neither of us was comfortable at the party and we were not enjoying ourselves and felt very uneasy. So we decided to go back to my sister-in-law's. If the kids were up, we would take them home. And if not, we were going to spend the night there at his sister's house. We came in not knowing anything of what had gone on a few minutes earlier. We moved the kids to the spare bedroom and all went to sleep. My sister-in-law said nothing to me until the following morning when she asked me, if that had happened before, and of course I said no, uh, I didn't know what she was talking about, and she told me that she had been terrified while all this was going on, and that she swears it sounded like my kids were speaking in tongues. Well, I didn't know what she meant, and I, she tried to explain what she meant, and she, she saw she was scaring me, so she said, well, maybe it was nothing, and that was just overreacting, and we left it at that, but both of us could tell the other was still thinking about it. I sat down with my children and asked a million questions. They had no idea what I was talking about. All I got out of them is that they weren't comfortable in the toy room because the people there don't like them. It's been two years since this happened, and I've never experienced anything like this with them, but uh, I've always wondered what it was. Any ideas? Anybody know uh, what my sister-in-law meant with speaking in tongues? Her explanation didn't make any sense to me. My children are fluent in English and Spanish only. I tried to research this and other experiences on the internet, but can't come up with anything. Oh, yeah, speaking in tongues is uh, supposed to, supposedly a divine language of sorts, but uh, I don't know what to make of it either, to be honest with you. Very strange. All right, so this one's come from Michigan. I got family in Michigan. All right, when I was fifth or sixth grade, my mother let me stay home alone. I came home from school at about four 
And my mom had to work until six. So I just stayed. Um, so I had just started staying home alone. So I was sort of still creeped out about being in the house by myself. And one day I came home from school and ran to the phone to call my friend to see if she could come over. And the phone was in the kitchen. And from the kitchen, you could look down the hallway and see into my mom's room a little. Well, we lived in a pretty small apartment at the time. Right after when I grabbed the phone, I looked into my mom's room and saw a figure of this man. He was wearing a suspender outfit with a top hat, and he was looking in the mirror. Well, I dropped the phone and ran out the door and ran down the hall and hid behind one of the walls, and I stayed there for a while because I was too afraid to go back into the apartment. Then I got my courage back and went back inside, and I called my friend and told her to come over. Just recently, I told my mom about this, and she had told me that the man I saw was my great-grandfather. She told me that my grandmother had once seen him at the foot of her bed watching her sleep, and she said she was surprised I had seen him. So I have a question for you. What does this mean when ghosts are here on earth instead of heaven or hell? Well, I have an answer that I believe is true, but I can't speak for sure. But I don't think they are just here. Um, in a lot of cases, I think they come and go. Um, there are certainly earthbound spirits, but I think that uh, the ones that transition... They can come and go at will. They're not bound unless, uh, you know, I don't know, unless perhaps we are reincarnated and then we jump into another experience. But I think there's a period in between where we can check things out, um, you know, if we choose to. Um, just my thoughts, though. I don't know for sure. Crazy. Here's, a, here's one from Oregon. So I've been pondering this experience for many years, and it, it occurred back in the 70s, roughly 76 or 77. My mom, sister, and brother and I shared a two-bedroom apartment in the Portland area. I'm not sure if this qualifies as a ghost story. The nature of it is too ambiguous. I was in my early teens, clean and sober and sensitive to things of the unseen. The experience was one night I was alone with my brother. Uh, my brother and I shared a room, and he was, oh, he, I was alone. Uh, my brother and I shared a room and he was gone for the night. Well, I went to my bed, uh, at m my usual time, roughly 10 ish. Well, I woke startled and saw two spirits or entities, both resembling old men, long white, white beards and hair. And one wore a black cloak similar to a monk's cowl. And the other wore a multicolored luminescent robe, reflective, psychedelic, and both wore amulets. Well, I was terrified and immobile. I could not move. I was transfixed, and I felt that they were going to communicate a significant message to me, and I also sensed that they were neither evil or good. And I know their intention was not to harm me, but as to their spiritual alignments, I could not discern. I felt I saw them through a tunnel, and this was the oddest perception. They were absolutely real and present. However, physical reality was slightly altered. They were present for what seemed like a long time, either due to my extreme fear or lack of maturity. I sensed that they chose not to divulge to me their intention. However, they did communicate to me that they would return. Later, I learned that my neighbor experienced visitations of a particular spirit in his apartment. I'm not suggesting it was the same spirit or spirits, but perhaps the apartment complex was changed with some presence or spirit activity. Any thoughts? I don't know, maybe. That's weird. 
that's just the, the part that just kind of boggles me is the, the diversity. I'm haunted by the paranormal portals opening theme. <laughs> Chaconoid, <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, thanks, I, I guess. I hope that's a good thing. I wrote that song uh, a few years, several years back now, I guess. It's called Feline. And if you like the song, you can find the link in the description on Bandcamp that you can check it out and download it if you so choose. But thank you so much. I, I hope I hope being haunted by it is a good thing. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's see. California again is coming up on the list. So let's go to California. It's still quite difficult for me to read this today. Uh, uh, as I submit it, how many years later we've got... A story so definite needs telling, and it's my most personal story as well. My father was a practical man. He dealt with life as it came, did the best to, with what came about, or worked very hard to change it to his liking. When he died, he moved on immediately. It was not He was not present at the funeral, the wake, at his home, or even at the site where he died. I called Dad every weekend, or he called me, and we'd become extremely close after I grew up and spent as much time together as we could, best friends. I have a friend, Jeff, who lived next door as I grew up, and he taught me to drink and swear, but, <laughs> but he adopted the role of my big brother and protector as well, and if I was stressed out or something was wrong, he would know it and come over even years later when we grew up and out of our parents' houses. It's the first Thursday in April uh, 1986, and I've never known the date but and still don't want to. I've never known the date. Oh, the first Thursday in April, 86. They don't want to know the date. I'm sewing the stitches on a blue and pink flowered blouse that I'll wear to go to my dad's ranch on the weekend. It's about one in the afternoon and my husband is at work. For some unknown reason, I got up from the kitchen table and called dad. I don't call dad on Thursdays. His wife answered the phone and she said he was down in the lower pasture on a tractor and should be up for lunch soon since he was already late. Unheard of. Then she said, uh, "Oh, I hear the tractor stopped. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to wait?" I just said, "No. Just tell him I love him, and I'll talk to him later." As I hung up, I thought that was odd thing for me to say. I would have normally never told her this, as she seemed to resent our closeness. Three special knocks on the door, and in walks Jeff. "What's up?" "Not much. What are you doing?" "Don't know." Just had a feeling I should come over. We sat down at the kitchen table and chatted, and I sewed. An hour or so passes. Time is distorted now. And in walks Dan, my husband. I look up at the clock, back at Dan, wondering why he is home so early. He doesn't speak, goes to the phone, calls a number. He can't remember any number without looking it up. And I'm amazed by this. My jaw is still in my chest. He says, I'm home. Yeah, okay. And hangs up. I'm still with my hand in midair wondering what the heck, he got fired? Dan turns to me and hits me out of the blue. I can, and it hits me out of the blue. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I better be careful how I read this. It can either be a, a, an emotional thing or, or abuse if I'm not careful. Uh, I can see it in Dan's face. No words have been said. I felt like I started screaming and probably did. Dan had to hold me and keep me still. It was sinking in faster than I had felt anything in my life, and I didn't want any of it, not one single solitary part of it. This was not happening. I turned to the wall where the picture hung, a yellow house surrounded by 
the most peaceful river, an oasis of dreams. A picture my dad saw and immediately comment, that is where I want to retire. Nothing was real. It took me six months, six months to realize daddy had come to say goodbye and I, I didn't recognize it. I felt it, but I didn't get it at the time. The last time we were together, he was telling me where the combination to the safe was and all that sort of stuff. I stopped the conversation to tell him I just didn't want to go there. Uh, that losing him was not an option. I wanted to go first. I got the standard, it isn't natural for parents to lose their children, so I have to go first, talk. <clears throat> we fought in our joking fashion about who would win this one and ended by making a deal. Whoever went first would come and say goodbye to the other one. He held up his end of the deal. However, he was heard from again a few times. So my birthday was tough. For the first time in my life, he was there to wish me a happy day, something he never, ever forgot. No funny, carefully selected birthday card arrived in the mail precisely on my birthday. No special, perfect, silly, charming present. Cheryl was the first of my bridesmaid at my wedding, and my dad fell head over heels in love with her. Not really, but he was really charmed. And the next year after my birthday, Cheryl called and said she had to see me. Now, weird, okay. She drives over and doesn't even get out of the car. She and her husband were at Laguna Seca for the weekend races. The crowd was enormous, and there they were. Uh, uh, and the area they were in was for the drivers and pit crew, wall-to-wall -wall people. And she sees my dad working his way through the crowds, struggling to get to her. And she's just standing there, almost in shock. He finally makes it, takes her aside a bit, guiding her by upper arm, and says that he needed her to tell me everything was all right and that none of it mattered. His death, uh, his death and, and will started a great deal of unease and interfamily dissension regarding his estate. And I asked her, uh, and, uh, I asked her ins insisted, what day this was, Saturday or Sunday, and she thinks carefully, Saturday, which was my birthday. Once I awoke to see Daddy standing in my bedroom holding Kiki, and then he was gone, poof, Kiki, our family cat, had been missing for a few days, and we were tear tearful without him. I bolted out of bed so sure we would locate Kiki, and we did. I wandered outside to an area I rarely go for no apparent reason, where there were screen crawl space openings in our basement storage area, I heard Kiki's meow and had gotten locked in that area, and for the first time we were able to hear him. My younger sister has seen him since, although I have not. He will rush into my thoughts out of the blue, and I wonder. To add one more occurrence that will make this quite long, but is trippy, significant part, after 20 years, I finally worked up the courage to go see Dad's marker, placed between his parents and previous generations. After a five-hour drive, we are there. We know we're in the right area of the cemetery, but we can't find the family plot. We're running out of time, and I whisper to the winds, please, please direct me. I beg my husband one more time, drive down that road. I know we've been there before. Suddenly I yelled, stop, hopped out of the car, and without hesitation walked down an adjoining path to the right, and sure enough, Three plots down is the family plot, and there's Daddy. I sit, brush off my grandparents' stones, stones and say hello to my great-grandma, and simply rest for a bit, actually quite peacefully, under the tall pine that shades the plot. A smooth, brief, brief wind comes up the hill and brushes my hair, bringing with it the thought that this is the perfect place for me to be. 
along with an incredible rush of warmth and love. Once home, I called to relay the visit to my mom, who did not say much, but you could almost hear the sure dear in her voice. She called back that evening almost laughing. My older, solidly skeptic sister listened to our mother tell my tale, and she said she would normally have never, ever believed my story except for one thing. She had finally managed to visit Dad's gravesite as well, and her entire trip down to every single detail literally had been absolutely identical. I miss him still horrifically after all these years, but am very content knowing he or his spirit is around and just might be forever. When it is my turn, I know beyond an ounce of doubt that Daddy will be there. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. Huh. I enjoyed that. And it looks like, looks like, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be our show for tonight. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I, uh, of course, always love bringing you the Paranormal Portal in all of its forms. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L, and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody. <laughs>